Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello, my peoples. Dave. Um, actually, it's Gave now. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start a week with Good Thing, and Craig does that because it's his turn, and he's ready for this because he said he was. <laughs> you know, it's, it's sad, uh, but I don't think Gave's a real name, Dave. Or you think he's a Latrian? You think it's Gavey? Uh, my Good Thing this week... Surprise, surprise is a new book. Guys, Secret Project 3 is really good. That is my good thing. It is Secret Project 3. I can't wait for us to get to it. Um, I, I'm i having trouble. I can't decide if I like Tress or Secret Project 3 better. Are you allowed to I say the title, but with spoiler, like like muffle it out? Uh, are we allowed to spoil <laughs> the title now? Like, I, I don't know. I was being... Yes. It's released. We're allowed to say the title. It's Yumi... And was it Yumi and the Nightmares? Uh, Tori, what's it I called? Have to Yumi look it up. and I don't know. Dupree. <laughs> it's it's Yumi and the sub Yumi and the something. And the I don't know. Painter. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> Yumi and the Nightmare Painter. Is that what it is? It anyway, sounds right. It's really good, guys. It's really good. Um, it's also anime, but not. But it's not like cradle anime. It's different anime. Is it like Mistborn anime? No. So I know there's terms for these things because like. The, the Naruto slash Cradle is like one type of anime. It's like Shonen. Shonen, one piece thank you. Type. And then Yumi is not. It's different anime. Magical girl anime. Harem it's anime. It's not magical girl. It's not harem anime. That's the only it's two anime. I know. That's all kaiju. I want to say. I guess kaiju anime is another one. It is not kaiju. Okay. Dave will find out when he reads it. But uh, yeah, it's really good, guys. Uh, I did cry at the ending. Well, there's also like slice of life. There's the slice of yeah. yeah. I yeah, am actually repeating the thing anime. you just said. Yes. The the my recommendation from I believe last week was Majoring is technically a slice of life novel. Um, although I would say the the Legends and Lattes is more slice of life. Like that is legit slice of life. But anyway, uh, Yumi is really good, guys. I I highly recommend. I love the thing I love is that we have these Cosmere books where it's like. I need a quick fix of Brandon, and I can just read it. Like, I don't have to dig up Way of Kings and start Stormlight Archives binging. Like, sometimes I just got, like, two days, and I just want to read something. And I got, we got so, I don't have to just do Warbreaker now. <laughs> I got, we got some Tress, we got some Yumi, and honestly, I don't know where I'm going to rank these. They might be above Warbreaker for me. Whoa. Spoilers. Tress McNeil and me and the Nightmare Kingdom. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Speaking it. of Tress McNeil, I saw the Chip and Dale movie yesterday. The the new one. That's not my good Is thing. That... No. Aww. <laughs> I thought it was all right. <laughs> that was my assessment as well. Yeah. Um. But that's not. Anyways. Uh. So as we're finishing up whatever book we're reading oh, now, wait, Dave, hold on. There are two. I entire, forgot to mention. There are two entire Cosmere books. Of spoiler content you guys could be talking about from this point on. Except that there Craig's is. the only one that read, I think. I don't know that. But I forgot to mention, Yumi, the author is Brandon Sanderson. If In case you want to look it up. Huh. Isn't he the also the author of the uh, much-anticipated upcoming Secret Project 5? 
It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think there is a fifth, and he's not releasing it. So yes. Yeah, yeah, Dave. So you were trying to make a joke so here, he, but there actually is a fifth. He wrote it. Project. No, I just said the wrong number. Actually, I meant to say I meant to family. say four. But okay, so the, he he is the author of Secret Project Five, but it's not on the release schedule. All right. Although I do have a suggestion for Brandon and his his workers. Can we if you're listening, real? Brand, Brandon, listen up. Here's <laughs> they listen. <laughs> If if you start drawing aeons, like you got to get to the point where you add the chasm line, please. Like I need to visually see what the chasm line looks like. The pi- the pins can't have spoilers. I saw a deck of cards with a, for a like a twenty five twenty year old book. When the heck was the launch released? I did see a deck of cards with Marsh as an inquisitor, and he was a jack or an ace or something. I don't remember. Yeah, they they show him. That's spoilers. Elantris was released in 2005, so we're approaching... So we're at the 18-year mark. We'll just say 18 years. So spoilers for an 18-year-old We've been doing this podcast for 18 years. Do you guys believe it? Uh, Craig, there is no, like, end limit on book spoilers. Anyone could pick up a book for the first time at any time, no matter how old that book is. So I I can't talk about how, like... In a tale of two cities, Darcy or whatever his name is goes it goes to France and redacted. Dave, and Dave, redacted. you can talk about Dave. You can talk about any book spoilers you want on this podcast because our only spoiler rule is that you aren't allowed to be spoiled for it future is, Cosmere it is things. A far, far better thing not to do spoilers. <laughs> right, hang on, we break that rule constantly. I'm, I, I might have gotten the, the characters. Part. Was his name Darcy? Or did I make that? Did I pull that from Jane Austen? I might have pulled that. No, there's a Mr. Darcy. Darcy. There is a Mr. Darcy. I don't remember the character's name in Tale of Two Cities. I think that it was. It might have actually been. It's Darley, I think, was his name. All right, guys. We've been going for over France. six minutes, and we're halfway through good things. <laughs> no, we're not. Not we're, even that. <laughs> we're not even done one out of Craig four. Is done. <laughs> Although Craig's usually does take. Uh, Craig is very enthusiastic about the things that he loves, and I enjoy hearing about them. That's what, I, what, what I'm getting at. <laughs> Dave, what's your good thing? <laughs> well, as you may recall, I've been doing a series on female video game music composers, and today I will talk about... Oh my gosh, there's so many... She's Japanese, um, so I'm going to say her name wrong. I, I apologize in advance, Yuka, but Yuka... Tsujioko. I think I actually did a pretty good Yuka Tsujioko. I think I did a pretty good job. Uh, also known as Yuka Bamba? 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 Funnily enough, her alias is harder to pronounce than Tsujioko. Anyway, she is a composer that has worked on the Paper Mario series and the Fire Emblem series. Her other works include Battle Clash as a sound composer, so maybe, I don't know if that means she wrote music or not, Metal Combat, Falcon's Revenge, and Tetris Attack, and I pulled these titles off a wiki, and I've never heard of any of them, and I have no idea what they are. But she worked on those games. Uh, I've heard of Tetris, but not I haven't heard of Attack. I don't know what that is. So she was the sole composer for every single Fire Emblem game, starting with the first one that only very recently got a release in the West, through the sixth game, Binding Blade. And then she was joined by uh, another female composer, which I may or may not get a chance to talk about, Saki Kasuga ne Haruyama, for uh, the seventh game in the series, Fire Emblem, The Blazing Blade, which we know in the U.S. as Fire Emblem. 
because it was actually the first Fire Emblem game released in the U.S., the seventh one in the series. She continues to work at Intelligent Systems, and she's kind of a consultant slash sound supervisor and still provides her input and some writing for the music of Fire Emblem. She, at one point, left Intelligent Systems and either works as a freelancer or rejoined as, as a freelance composer. And she's, she, you know, she wanted to kind of broaden her margins and work on things outside of video games, but her, her contributions are certainly appreciated. My favorite pieces by Yuka Tsujioko are Together We Ride, which is from the original Fire Emblem game, and I'm going to say this the, the entire title, Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon, and the Blade of Light, which, as I mentioned, was the first Fire Emblem game on NES, recently got a localization on the Nintendo Switch, and uh, so you know that song, this is, this is the Smash Brothers, like, when everybody, anyone thinks of Fire Emblem, they think of, like, that song from Smash Brothers Melee. That's this song, Together We Ride, is the title. And uh, also, Kasuga, whom I mentioned before, she did a fantastic arrangement for it for Fire Emblem 7. She also wrote Winning Road from Fire Emblem 6. And not sure if she did the Fire... I I really enjoy the Fire Emblem 7 version of Winning Road, which is kind of like the you're about to beat this mission song. And it's it's super hype. I love it. I actually like it better than Together We Ride. Uh, The Fire Emblem 7 version, which... Um, is kind of a take on the Fire Emblem 6 version. Not sure if she or Kasuga uh, wrote the Blazing Blade version. Um, also, outside of Fire Emblem series, like I said, she's worked on Paper Mario. Uh, my favorite songs from the first Paper Mario game are Over Shiver Mountain, Jade Jungle, and Welcome to Yoshi's Village, which, of course, is an arrangement of Koji Kondo's work. Uh, those are all fantastic songs. That's just a really... I, I think she's soloed that that whole game paper mario the first one on n64 great soundtrack i i I encourage you to listen it's just it's really fun you know like you listen to there are different kind of subgenres within video game music and this is kind of just like a that's like a playful romp throughout mushroom kingdom i love this soundtrack and also i'm gonna throw out here not sure if yuka wrote it it may have been written by yoshito hirano who worked with her on Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door, but Roadport Sewers from The Thousand Year Door is super amazing, and you should give that song a listen to. And uh, my sources that you can read up on Yuka and other video game music composers, nintendo.fandom.com and vgmpf.com, Video Game Music Preservation Foundation. So, yeah, uh, great. Thank you very much. Yuka Tsujioko, I'm a huge fan of your work, and continue to write awesome music for Fire Emblem. You're doing a great job. Neat. I was Neat. muted that whole time? I no. have nothing <laughs> to add here. <laughs> okay. Except that for my good thing this week, I've been here the whole time. That's right, I'm talking about Game Changer. Uh, available on Dropout. There's a couple of episodes on YouTube for free. Uh, it is a phenomenal game show. Uh, it is a game show where the game changes every time, except sometimes it doesn't. Uh, I'd like to talk about a couple of my favorite episodes now that I'm almost all the way through watching all of them. Uh, the first is, uh, there was a game, this was done during COVID times, where uh, Sam Reich brought his three favorite actors from the college humor sort of spectrum and gave them terrible dialogue with prompts to sort of act out on their own, and then also brought in Giancarlo Esposito 
that is Gustavo Fring from Breaking Bad uh, to also do those the same dialogue with the same prompt. Like, one of the best actors on the face of the planet to come in and, like, show off. And it was phenomenal. Uh, the other one I really want to talk about today is uh, where he brought on the improvised Shakespeare company to do improvised Shakespeare uh, with with some minor prompts. Like they basically just improvised a 30 minute Shakespeare play uh, while also forcing in uh, 90s song lyrics and Fortune 500 company names and breakfast cereals. It was it was phenomenal. It was so good. And that's my good thing. <laughs> game changer is a very good thing i love that show um my good thing this week is uh the live action little mermaid uh i really enjoyed it i have not been impressed with disney's other live action things i i don't know i just haven't been um little mermaid though was good because it was familiar and also new at the same time there were some new songs all the mermaids were gorgeous i know some people are upset about the ethnicities of the mermaids, but you know what? All of those mermaids were modeled after fish that are found in oceans that are all over the world. So it doesn't make sense for them to all be white women. I, I'm just, I said it, I said it. They were gorgeous and I loved them and the songs were fabulous and uh, it was fun. Also, Javier Bardem as King Triton was not a thing I knew I needed until I saw it. it he was amazing. I could have named a thousand actors a thousand and would never have come up with Javier Bardem as King Triton. Not he, never. He was perfect for that role. He, cause he, he looks like, yes, I am the God of the sea, but also scary dad. It like he, he, he walked that line perfectly. So um, yeah, highly recommend if you like the little mermaid, you should check out the new version cause it's good. And the new songs are by Lynn manuel Miranda, and I love them. Neat. All right. I think we should talk about a book now. Yeah, we should probably do Secret that. Secret Project Ooh. 3. You, me, and the Nightmare Forest. No, we're not there yet. Nightmare no. Forest. You, me, and the Nightmare Forest. Yeah. Wait. I know a planet with a Nightmare Forest. Yeah. Mm. Different planet, though. Oh. I know a... Oh, I know a planet with nightmare jungles on islands. Different planet, though. Hmm. So which planet is it? None of the above. What shard is in charge? Rayfell. Oh, is it um Whimsy? Maybe it's Whimsy. Chapter thirty. What chapters in hey. what book? <laughs> we still. Hey, Dave. That wasn't that wasn't a no. That could have been a yes. That could have been that could have been Craig confirming that it in fact was Whimsy's planet. That I don't know. I haven't started nothing. the book yet. I literally can't spoil you because I don't know anything about this See, book yet. That is the best way to avoid spoilers. Just don't <laughs> read it until Dave reads it. <laughs> yeah, but then you'll spoil it for them in spoilers. You won't even oh, but... know it's a spoiler. You can't confirm or deny it. It's great. <laughs> I spoiled it like five times already. You guys didn't even notice. Oh, I noticed. I just don't know what you said <laughs> i didn't actually spoil anything I just, or did uh, i i just assumed that you did oh wait craig Dang. craig did you just admit that uh autonomy picked up the shards of ambition and also fused it with whimsy and became a whole third three shards combined 
for uh, whatever what planet you had to one up harmony ambition and what was the third one you said whimsy whimsy oh God. broadway the combination it's, of all three of those so it's, it's it wants to be autonomous and whimsical and ambitious and it's ambitious about getting that across I'm it's the broadway no, i can see it i can see it yeah because no it's like yes I want to run through that sprinkler, and I am going to run through that sprinkler, and then I ran through that sprinkler. So that's Dave, your ambitious, Dave autonomous, nailed it. The combination of those three things is musical theater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, that is the troll song. <laughs> that is the definition of trolling. Oh, man. Hoyt needs to get that shard, and he's always wanted one. This would be the perfect opportunity for him to get what he's always wished for. I beg to differ. He definitely didn't know he's want one. He sometimes wanted none. I don't what think, book? yeah, I don't think he... Alright, the Alloy of Law 4, chapters <laughs> yeah. 30 through something, 35, 6, 35. Yeah, we start, 30, we start uh, the first yeah, chapter, chapter 30, of part So, uh, real, real quick, the diagram. Why did we start the first chapter of part 3? I couldn't tell you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're 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 asking Tori about what she the diagram had, is thinking. It was an, it was one of those super intelligent days, and it just happens, you know. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate where we ended. It's one of my favorite scenes of the book, but also ah, uh-huh, the Arrested Development scene. So, uh, I've got it set up where we read approximately fifty pages a week, and that's as far as that goes. That's okay. Keep in mind that this book was published after the diagram, so it, it was added on. <laughs> there so, there has so not been a day of genius since then. Like, So what you're saying is this isn't like the Rhythm of War situation where you stopped us on a giant chasm hanger no, like four like separate that. times in no. that book? Mm-mm. No, this was, this was just like, eh, that looks like a good spot. Let's stop there. Okay. She had a dog on her lap. <laughs> okay, chapter 30. If you will recall... We actually covered chapter 30 last week. I um, do recall that. <laughs> I've got it in my show notes. I, uh, I wasn't kidding you guys. I actually did read chapter 30 last week, and half of the things that I said happened in chapter 29 actually happened in chapter 30. This is the chapter where they actually go to Copperpot's uh, apartment, and they find the treasure map, and uh, they have to take the sewers and the whistling well and it's our time and booby traps what book are we reading i don't remember uh, anymore the goonies novelization <laughs> the goonies 2 randomizer by vtorp um i would novelize it. i always thought it would be fun to like work to novelize video games like i could totally write a final fantasy 4 novel like that would be fun square uh, enix hey my number is in the discord so you can hey send dave. me a dm yeah hey dave uh, did you know that Tori has actually written some fairly extensive Final Fantasy One uh, fiction? Yeah, we're not Mike talking fiction. about that on the Brandon Sanderson podcast. And Mike's not going to let her live that down. No, it's really good. Tori is an excellent writer. Oh, I've I don't some have to live it down. Book. This is amazing fiction. Okay, this is the number one Final Fantasy One novelization on the internet. So, okay, and good. and I don't my I don't care who knows. So I don't have to leave it down because it's actually good. But we're also not talking about it on the Brandon Sanderson podcast. Thank you. Moving well, on. if I thought it was going to be relevant today, it would have been my good thing. But I didn't because Dave just sprung this on me. I'll do it next week. Uh, anyway, go look up Tori's Final Fantasy One fiction thing. What's it called, Tori? 
No, we're absolutely not talking about it on the Brandon Sanderson podcast. I'm not linking it. No. <laughs> Dave is Googling Tori's Final <laughs> Fantasy 1 fan fiction. Well, I didn't write it under my name, so good luck with that. And surprisingly, Google did not return porn. I'm actually surprised. <laughs> it's Guy is G-A-I-A, actually. Um, actually. <laughs> I did write it under my Discord name, didn't I? Oh. Alright, I'll just bookmark this for later. Alright, um, so yeah, they go to investigate Chester Copper, David Copperfield's what's the guy's something Sorry, copper? R- real, real quick, uh, Tori, this is what you get for bullying me into making us read White Sand. That, that is a valid and there's, fair response. There's, I accept. Well, okay, but hey, if you go to the White Sand and you have the floater, then you can get the airship. That's That's just science. Uh, <laughs> that's just science uh, his last name is just copper oh, eventually copper, we will copper. actually start <laughs> on the chapters this week copper. guys All right, so I Mr. apologize for 30 minutes of that so Mr. Copperpiece this is his apartment they find the, the little ink stain with the address of the broadsheet thingy and like I said we covered it last week guys just go listen to last week's episode <laughs> there's blood in a hole in the wall I don't, I don't know it's been so uh, long since I read There's blood in a hole in a chair. There's no bullet, but there's blood and maybe a little bit of bone. And, like, they made so his bed before they dead. left. I don't know. All right. But, yeah. So my single well, bullet what, point what they did, remains chapter 30. What, what they did is um, they just sort of poked at stuff for a little while until Wayne got enough of a sense of a guy to put on his hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they did the the shading on the back of an envelope to to find out what was written on on it before and it was a combination to a locker at the train station it wasn't that it was that he laid the he laid something on top of the envelope while the ink was still wet so they had to find a mirror as well but good thing uh good thing moonlight is from a planet where everything's symmetrical you know cell so oh wait Side note, that was totally a puzzle I had to do in an escape room once. <laughs> oh, the other really good episode of Game Changer was Escape the Green Room, <laughs> where the three contestants are placed in a what is effe- effectively an escape room without their uh, consent oh, or foreknowledge. No. But their consent is the solution to puzzle number four. No, they're just sort of like locked in, and they immediately start destroying things. It's great. <laughs> All right. So does anyone have anything to add for chapter 30? Um, I don't know. It felt like it kind of went nowhere as a scene. Yeah, that's true. That might be why I wrote so little about it. It was just kind of like, hey, we got the next lead. Let's go. Like, I, f- I feel like they really could have just, like, Brandon could have had an editor say, hey, why don't we just cut out this part and have them go straight to the newspaper? Why don't they just have Copperman's hat, like, handy? That's all they need. The, 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 the hat is all they needed. True. Yeah, this, this one felt like it could have been cut Chap- pretty easily. Chapter 31. Well, let's cut it out. And yet, we covered it twice, you guys. We could have cut it out of the book, but we talked about it twice. Chapter 31. Steris plans for the worst. That's just a general statement. I'm not actually sure what happened in this chapter. Steris is not selected for the Select Council. Luxury yacht bribe. Steris doesn't have time to plan. She should have foreseen this. Yeah, so the the Southern Scadrian general... Uh, so first off, Stairs is like, hey, what if we make a committee for this? And the governor's like, I thought committees were just for selecting flowers for bridge openings. 
Bridge four. And his lieutenant, his lieutenant governor is like, no, 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 no. Yeah, the we can we can do some research on this. And eight hours later, uh, they finally are like, yeah, what the thing Steris said is correct. We can make a committee. Uh, but let's not put Steris on it. Instead, let's let the uh, invading general bribe his way on with a boat. He's like, hey, I have a boat. You can use it sometimes. He's like, sold. <laughs> yeah, that's this chapter in a nutshell. And that's the chapter. <laughs> Craig, anything to say about Steris? She's still the best, even if she, even if she doesn't assume the worst of people. Maybe because hmm. she doesn't assume the worst of people. Hmm. Yeah, she's... this seemed like an opportunity for her to like bully her way into into a thing. She doesn't bully. But she though. doesn't. That's not her personality. Well, maybe she should learn from Wax. Maybe she should have learned from uh, Princess Serini. <laughs> maybe they've never met. Elantris call how you cannot possibly know that. Hey Craig. you guys, free market. Okay. Alright. So chapter thirty one happened. Yeah, Steris is kinda like and it, as soon as like the the governor agrees to it, I was like, Oh no. He's just gonna have a committee without her, isn't he? And she's like, Ah, I should have foreseen that and but she Clearly. like we kinda leave this scene with Steris realizing that she has to take action and doesn't have time to go home and plan her next move and we don't know what happens next because we don't catch back up with Steris for the rest of this week's chapters. Yeah, clearly the governor doesn't care about actually resolving anything or or planning hey, for any kind of He's got he's plot. got to care about boats and free boat <laughs> or a pleasure yacht. Yeah. Or having any real understanding of how his government re- operates. Yeah. yeah. A- is Axon with the uh, the governor? Ad- What's her name? Adawathwin. Adawathwin, yeah. Uh, yeah. So Adawathwin <laughs> basically is running the city, right? Ada. Ada. Ada is running the city. Adawathwin. Adawathwin. I was pretty close, actually. You were. You were closer than Dave. I like I govern we. Wait, can we quote that? Hold on. <laughs> Save that. That's a quote. I think I have permission to delete messages from Discord, just so that you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, undelete, undelete. Hey, what's a Discord? That's when Harmony goes bad. <laughs> when Harmony goes bad. Oh, like in My Little Pony. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com slash CosmereCast. You don't have to give us money. You just have to think about giving us money. There's a link to our Discord server. Come yell at me. You just have, you just have to comments. think about us. <laughs> just think of us. All right, chapter thirty-two. Wax doesn't like Yak, but what does he know? Wayne Dunn pulled a Wayne. Wax grabs a shotgun and launches himself up to the attic window. It doesn't sound like he was trying to be quiet at all. What does Wayne Dunn pull the Wayne? When does he not pull the Wayne? I mean, why do you think I wrote it down? I'm just, just. It's observations, man. Is this another stairs plans everything? Just if it's a stairs chapter, you just put that at the top. No, I think <laughs> I think that line's actually in the book. Wayne says, "I done pulled a Wayne" or something like that. Wax meets Miss. What in the world does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> what? I can shed some light on this one. <laughs> okay. Uh, Wax meets Miss Couch, missing some of her stuffing. Chow to this, this world. Dave. <laughs> what? Was that one a 3 a.m. Dave? 
No, I don't stay up too late. I I don't stay up past one anymore. Now what? that I ha now that I'm a normie with dirty normie hours. Chowder this world. You know, when I saw that, I was like, that sounds kind of like Chowder. And then they actually confirmed that it's Chowder. And I'm like, who's running the the street vendor truck? It could be a ghost blood. It it might be Hoyd. Who knows? Wax is that, those I, are I, your best guesses. I mean, it's. It, do you think the Lopin is actually selling? I would. I would accept <laughs> that guess better. Oh my gosh! I was see. I was over here thinking of Cut Me Own Throat Dibbler from the Discworld series, and now I'm picturing the Lopin as Cut Me Own Throat Dibbler. Wax is just a little jealous of Yak. Mariga writes these words in steel. That way, it'll be easy to mass produce them. Should she need to get the message out? Exactly. Uh, so with the Chowda thing. Um, I believe Wax mentions that like it looks disgusting, and Wayne's like, "That's how you know street food is good," and he's right. So true, <laughs> absolutely. As a native Philadelphian, can confirm. So tell me more of Wax not liking Yak. What did what did Yak ever do to Wax? Come on, I'm not sure. Uh, did he? Did Yak actually claim to be friends with Wax, or is that just something the newspapers put in? No, I, I think he actually like explicitly puts that in his story sometimes because. You know, Wexilium Dawnshot is also famous out in the same areas that Yak operates, or claims to operate, rather. I would argue that Yak is being generous to Wax here. I think Yak is more famous than Wax, at least at this point. I mean, he super is, because Wax hasn't capitalized on, like, other people have written up his case files in a, you know, in a, as a, stare, as a story way and, and publish them. You know what this um, reminded me of? The Dresden Files. You know what I've never read? <laughs> Rocky. The Wheel of Time. <laughs> so, lots of things. That's true. The Wheel of Lots of Things. Dune. I've read the first Dune. All right. So what this reminded me of, the whole yak, you know, always talking about being friends with Wax. It reminded me of Nostalgia Critic, Doug Walker. And how he kind of leached on the popularity of James Rolfe, AVGN, for like a while. I mean, like Doug Walker is, uh, is he, I, I, he's a good critic. I, I watch his videos. Um, but like when he started out, he just like started this faux rivalry with James Rolfe. But like James Rolfe went along with it, right? So it wasn't like he was kind of imposing himself. It wasn't the same exact result as Wax and Yak, but it was just kind of reminded me of like, yeah, Nostalgia Critic <laughs> just started off pretending to be a rival of AVGN. And again, love James Rolfe, love Doug Walker. I'm just, you know, as Doug Walker was, was trying, to get, trying to get his feet into the kiddie pool or whatever. Is that a saying? <laughs> it <laughs> is now. Trying to get his feet into the kiddie pool? Yeah, I've heard that like at least a thousand times. <laughs> anyway, that's, the, uh, that's kind of the real life parallel I thought of with, with Yak and Wax. Uh, so yeah, Wayne Dunn pulled Did you hear Wayne. me crumple that, that paper about. towel like a second ago? I bet my, I bet Audacity no. picked it up. I bet Audacity did pick it up. <laughs> uh, what, how, why and how did Wayne pull a Wayne? All right, if the, if the paper towel, if it doesn't actually come through on the recording, like when you truncate it, just cut this part out. Otherwise, it's just random nonsense. And what is our podcast with, no, leave it in. <laughs> And this is when our <laughs> listeners realize Mike doesn't edit anything. No, uh, they realized does... that at least 200 episodes ago. No, no, no. Mike does a lot of editing, just not 
the stuff we say for the most part. <laughs> this is completely unedited. You're welcome. And also in the last episode that just came out, I had a section where I where I told myself to cut it out, and then myself didn't. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. Well, like next, future next... might cut this out. And you're like, pass Mike. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Next time I need help with anything, I'm going to past Mike. Future Mike, definitely not. Present Mike, questionable. Past Mike, a okay. I mean that that is completely fair. But uh, tell me. Wayne Dunn pulled Wayne. I, I still don't know what's going on there. What's up? I think Tori is going to go ahead and read No, I was this. going to explain the other bullet point. Uh, well, you can't. You I don't, do I don't know bullet. what Wayne did. Okay. I think that um, he, like, punched someone. I don't know. No. Um, he, or he was going to punch through a window. Yeah. He, he was like, oh, you could just, oh, this place is locked. Let me punch the window open. And I, you can just say Wayne Dunn pulled a Wayne. You remember because yeah, I just said it. Well, sort of. Wax was about to break in, and Marisy's like, "No, no, 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 no. We there, need to there follow are ways po- to police do this. procedure." And Wayne was like, "No, I'll do it, and you can just blame it on me, because yeah. you know that that wacky oh, Wayne, Wayne. He keeps breaking the law." <laughs> Wayne, you're a loose cannon, or whatever we have in this time era. <laughs> Turn in your badge and your dueling cane. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and then Wax. Drops a bullet casing. Apparently, he just keeps like a pocket full of bullet casings. Wouldn't you? Maybe, or you know, coins or random detritus or <laughs> you know or what? Or... That's why. That's why the economy in Ellendale is so terrible these days. You know how back in the day there used to be people that would go pick up the coins. They would throw coins around, and now yeah. it's just bullet casings. Yeah. And... Now it's like, what am I supposed to do with this? I do think bullet casings are probably better than money. Maybe I guess it depends on the value, but if we're talking like early. I mean, to be fair, money century, doesn't. We're talking about perceived value when it comes to money. Like if we assume like the cost of a piece of bread is like what a quarter. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't not piece of bread, a whole loaf of bread. Like I wouldn't want to <laughs> drop a whole loaf of bread's worth, you know, every time I want to jump into the air. But bullet cases. Craig, you realize that they're crime lords, right? Like you know that Kelsier's like gang is just. It's like the mafia. I'm talking basically. about Kelsey. I'm talking about wax. You know that okay, he's a, inherited millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Let's go matter. back to talking about Kelsier, though. Yeah, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I feel like, okay, if we look at this from a psychological standpoint, see, Kelsier uh, was poor, and so he throws what? his money around, whereas wax <laughs> grew up rich, and so he doesn't throw his. That, that's a thing, y'all. That's real. Yeah, that's legit. Yeah. Okay, here's here's the thing we're all missing, which is organized crime mobsters are actually kind of famous for over tipping. Yeah, and Sherry like, watched Futurama. And and so like I think that might actually be what Kelsier was doing back in the Final Empire. Like he wasn't like directly handing money to to some kid who like did something for him, but he functionally was just every time he got into a coin shot fight or decided to steel push jump right okay so that makes sense he's like i could throw like a handful of pennies down and push off of that but i'm gonna throw a sackage away a dollar down and push off of that you know yeah yeah he's he's drastically over tipping effectively hmm. moving on okay so wax uh breaks into the building ta-da and he doesn't no no he doesn't he uh, boosts himself up onto the roof of the yep, building. He goes in a window. Has a gun pointed um, at him through a little hole in the wall. Should we promote the uh, next and episode? Then he, like, 
Then he like talks. I, I'm planning to. Okay. Um. Yeah. He he talks to the the lady inside and is like, "Hey, uh, we're we're police. We're here. We would like to talk to you about uh this copper guy." And she's all like, "Well, what if you're here to kill me?" It's like, "Well, I could have if I wanted to." I think Cobblepot. Cobblepot, right? No, it's copper. Hmm. It's like Tobel copper or some nonsense. And then she lets them in, and wax meets. Uh, Tori, you were going to explain yeah. this. Uh, so the lady is described as uh, like her, her clothes are kind of baggy. It looks like she used to be fat and then she lost some weight like a couch that's missing some stuffing. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. And then she's like, hey, yeah, I knew this guy. Uh, he knew things and then made assumptions and didn't check his assumptions. I can't imagine anyone in this room right now who uh, that might also apply to so we're just going to move on he uh like told me a bunch of uh very interesting and uh damning things about about some people and i didn't publish any of it because i'm a coward and he told me to make sure to take it to the authorities that he also told me not to trust if he stopped showing up and then he stopped showing up so i've been here the whole time just like mike I'm I'm now playing a game to see how many times I can squeeze that phrase in. You're up to two. I've done it like four times. Anyway, before we um, started recording, that counts. <laughs> he, he said anyway, it like a hundred like, times an hour ago. Trust us, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, my uncle works for Nintendo. Uh, he's gonna have Mario come to my school. <laughs> uh, Wait, anyway, you mean, yeah, you like, mean hey, Bob Hoskins or uh, Charles Martinet? Martinet. 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 Uh, uh, with also Chris Pratt wearing a Charles <laughs> Martinet costume. Uh, anyway, yeah, no, she's like, hey, are you, you're Waxillium Dawnshot. Aren't you a friend of Yak? He wishes. Because, because she is a huge Yak fan. She publishes Yak's Literally everyone stories. but Wax is a huge Yak. It's actually kind of like, the, the other newspapers don't publish stories of Yak, but almost every NPC we run into seems to love Yak. So I, I think this is like legit from history. I I don't have an actual like sighting or anything, but this sounds a lit, legit. You got this. I mean, Jack is essentially a rich Who? nobleman. I'm not, I'm not. I refuse to participate in this. His name is Jack. Alamancer <laughs> Jack. So he, uh, the, more, the more reputable the more reputable broadsheets. Uh, they're printing Nikki Savage now. Well, she is cooler. She's basically like the Lumisa Kusogi of this of this uh, world, right? Yeah. The, the Red Room Gunbolt gun of this world. Absolutely. Yeah. I get your reference. The, the Lumisa Kusogi of Red, red Room, Red Room, Red Room. <laughs> so what I was getting is I could see this rich guy who... Wax? Uh, it, no, Jack? no. Alamancer yeah. Jack. Okay. He, he of course, he's a writer and he writes up these stories and he embellishes a bit. Yeah, I totally went on this adventure. Like, I could see him writing these stories and crafting this persona well, I mean, to sort he of has a wit- get people. Handerwim. Handerwim sees all. He has a witness yeah, to corroborate his story. And they sort of butted heads a little bit, didn't they? Well, only because Handerwim asked for money. <laughs> <laughs> so the point is, I could sort of see this happening. And Wax, who is legit. Uh, a nobleman adventurer who actually goes off and investigates and 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 does these things that Al- Alamancer Jack is making up. Like he can see right through it. Like he experiences the life that Alamancer Jack <laughs> is trying to write about. 
He's so like, he sees right through it, and he's like, dude, you're a fraud. Like, you're a fake. Of course I don't a, like you. A dandy, if oh. you will. Guys, I just thought of something amazing that has to be in Era 3. There need to be two competing major Ivano-type companies. AJC, Alamancer Yak Comics, and Marvelous <laughs> Comics. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that's so good. I'm, I like it. Brandon? Brandon, you know you you know this to be true, and you and we know that you're listening. As and staff. you may have the rights to this. We won't hold it against you. It's all yours. But we will charge you money. No, you at least you have you don't have Brandon. You don't have to give us money, but you do have to visit our Patreon page. Think about giving us money and then join our Discord server. <laughs> Brandon, I've seen what your Kickstarter pulled in, bud. You can you can join at the ten dollar level. You can handle this, bud. Uh, all right. So, yeah, they, they talk a lot about Yak and how cool Yak is. And everybody thinks Yak is cool, including Wax, of course, because Yak is so cool. Even Marisy likes him, right? Like, or at least doesn't yeah. disparage him. No, Marisy's a fan. Everybody's a fan. I love, you I, know don't, who? I don't know if it's in this chapter, but I love Wayne's comment. And Marisy's like, I thought you couldn't read. And Wayne's like, well, well, I'm stupid, so I can only read stupid things. You know who the only person I can think of that wasn't an Alamancer Yak fan is? The Lord Ruler. And he's dead now. See? That's not a coincidence. That's what happens. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, she wrote out all the pertinent information in Steel, which takes way too much time, is completely unnecessary, uh, and isn't even, like, printed movable type. It's, like, literally etched <laughs> in a plate of steel. I'm just... Like, they literally, she's in a place with a printing press, right? Like, can you just use the tools of the trade? Uh, but yeah, that moves them on to the next clue. Witches. I don't remember what the next clue was. Um, yeah, it's witches. No, you're right. It is witches. <laughs> the witcher. I don't know. Let's read on and see what happens after that. Chapter 33. Dia Milligram. And I got to stop reading early in the week. <laughs> Funny vegetables and funnier trajectories. Metal Gear. Melstrom sounds familiar. Didn't he work at the docks? Wasn't that one of them Dickensian names that I called out earlier? He's like, oh, the guy works at the docks, and his name sounds like Maelstrom. How, how funny is that? Right? I, he might have even been in that, like, vote in the prologue where they were like, let's vote on something, and it was, like, French history, and, like what, like, the third estate was, like, the dock workers and Maelstrom was there. Is that is that all, uh, yeah, close? There's no way to know, Dave. That all of that information is lost to time. Wait, I have a control F here. <laughs> I have three three hits for Maelstrom. Maelstrom works on the dock. Sounds dangerous. Maelstrom, Hastings, and Eric Hell are in trouble. But Varland still wants to hold the votey thingy. Okay, Maelstrom must be the name of a house. That was doing that was being bribed by Bilming, because Hastings and Erikel also were. Yeah, that sounds right. All right, so which let's... means that this guy shares a name with a major house, or is the guy, or maybe the house, like come to life. Maybe that's just like, his. Maybe first the name. house actually grew like robotic um, legs and started running down the street and tripping and landing on the ground and catching his fire. His name is. Of course, the real people wouldn't burn so quickly. His name is Dupont Melstrom, so that is his last name. Oh, so it's not like Kennedy Smith. But as far as like if that's an important family, there is no links to the family name. So I think we just 
probably heard the name before and it sounds familiar. <laughs> I think Brandon just couldn't come up with it. No. Um, it's maybe a coincidence, maybe not. D- okay. Dupont Melstrom is the senator for the dock workers in the Ellendale Senate. That's that's that is his copper mine page. So who's this Melstrom? Are we in? Is the same Aren't guy? we talking? Where are you? What is this chapter? Whoa! Look who's There's here! A, a, a tiny person literally came running in, <laughs> yelling with her arms in the air. It was amazing. Hi, Ada. Hi, Ada. She is rocking that hairdo. <laughs> Where's the stuffies? There's no stuffies. Oh, that might be why this is the first time I've seen her with her arms in the air. Because <laughs> there's no stuffies in her arms. <laughs> okay, moving on. Bye, Ada. Yes. Uh, so I what I was talking about. Maelstrom. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yep. Wax knows they, these if people. They're, if they're well, on the dock, if they're on the dock, then he, then yes, he works with the dock workers. It's a union, but you there's, have to be a member still of this family the family to join the union. It says uh, Mariga shows a letter implicating many Ellendale senators with the set. Isn't he one of the implicated senators? It sounds good. So I know that they're still at the publishing company because you know why? Because funny vegetables. Yep. Yeah. So the guy that's mysteriously missing has been feeding information to Mariga and disappeared on the date he said the attack would come. Not suspicious at all. Photograph at the end of the universe. Telson led herself right to them. All right. Take it away, Mike. Please. Uh, I don't know what diamilligram is. I assume it's a play on diagram, but... I don't know what you're going with there. Um, oh, didn't, like, Mariga have a stroke of genius one day and just start writing a bunch of crap down? That's what made me think of it. I don't know why I wrote Milligram, now. Were there a thousand things? Like, did she write a thousand of something? I don't know. Uh, so, they talk about what her I know why. I know why. Okay. You know how milligrams okay. are really small? I do know that, This yes. is, like, a small version of a diagram. That's what it was. Okay. Uh, anyway, they're talking about what what her paper is and what it does and what it publishes, and she's like, "Well, we 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 write could be articles. We write might be articles." And they're like, "Well, that's lies." She's like, eh, "I've heard it both." Craig, ways. do you remember when we worked in a grocery store and we on our like magazine racks we had the Philadelphia Enquirer, not the Inquirer, the reputable newspaper, but the Philadelphia yes. Enquirer. There's also the Enquirer, <laughs> yes, with with Bat Boy. <laughs> that's that's this. Nobody takes. I it like seriously. looking at the headlines. Like what what crap are they making up this week? That's like what this newspaper is. Um, anyway, she explains that they also do like human interest stories and pictures of funny vegetables. And Wayne's all like, well, how funny? Like, well, what's your sense of humor like? Like, crass with a, with a sprinkling of vulgar? He's like, yep, that's right up your alley. In that box. <laughs> uh, so Wayne is She's out like for a the librarian. rest of the conversation. She's like, imagine someone walking into Tori's library and being like, hey, where are the funny pictures of vegetables? And Tori would be like, aisle 17. Yeah. Mm, no, they would no. be uh, in the nonfiction section under 635. Yes, I was about to say she would give a Dewey Decibel number. Get I don't know what it is, because I've never learned that system. But... <laughs> Sploosh? She might also be able to give the Library of Congress number, but I don't know. I never learned Library of Congress, despite the fact that our college library was sorted by Library of Congress, and I hated it. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I knew it in library school, but I haven't used it in um, a while. So. Wait, you learned something in school that you didn't use in your profession? 
I know, right? It's so weird. <laughs> it's got to be unique. Like, nobody else has ever experienced that, I'm sure. Uh, next bullet point is Metal Gear, uh, which tells me that there's a lot of philosophical mumbo-jumbo <laughs> to ultimately get to the point that uh, the military-industrial complex is bad, and war is bad, and nuclear weapons are bad. And Hideo Kojima, dude, you do not have to get that complex with this very simple message. My guy. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but there's also, like, the genetics and... Genetic manipulation. Hey, uh, quick spoiler for Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid. Uh, you kill the villain of that game about eight times before he finally dies uh, due to nanobot heart attack. Like you, you explode <laughs> him. Machine, son. Wait, getting shot you out of the sky. Him. Wait, you shoot him. You're telling me you... if I'm riding a helicopter in the sky and someone shoots me down with like a heat-seeking rocket and like I crash to the ground, I might die. So there's that. There's shooting about a thousand times while driving a Jeep. There's a fist fight on top of a robot that's about 200 feet tall over concrete and metal floors metal that floors. he falls onto. Metal floors. <laughs> um, and then, and then finally, at the end of the game with the credits roll, it's a heart attack. <laughs> Hideo Kojima... <laughs> Fight me. It's kind of like how Al Capone gets arrested for tax evasion. <laughs> anyway, uh, we talked about Maelstrom. Uh, Wax knows these people. Lol. I don't know. I have no idea the what you're trying to say there. or something? The people yeah. that are implicated with the set. Oh. He's heard of them. Okay. Surprise, surprise. They're, they're people. They're even some of them people that voted for, voted against the, let's be the Empire Bill. That's right, and and he's like, well, I could see maybe this person being that, but I know these, I know some of these people really well. They wouldn't do this. Some of this information is clearly wrong. And Wax is always right about his initial assessment of people. We've established. He certainly this. is. Absolutely, he is. Uh, and then yeah, the the guy was like, hey, the world's gonna end on Tuesday. I will see you Wednesday, and if I if I don't see you Wednesday, <laughs> then the world ended, or they killed me, and then she doesn't see him Wednesday. Uh, but he she was does right. have a picture. <laughs> she does have a picture of the ash bounce Look, exploding. I'm not, I'm not saying that Copper McGopplegopple is like absolutely was lying to her, or evil, or bad, or wrong in any way. I'm just saying that it's a possibility. Uh, it's it's Ellendale destroyed by bombs with ash falling from the sky, not necessarily ash mounts. I will ash. I will explain the Metal Gear thing though. It's kind of like you know how Metal Gear can like shoot nukes, but it's like a mobile like mech that can like walk around and shoot nukes from a railgun like wherever it is and not yeah. have to like launch them up into the sky. It's kind of like that. Like it, they have this. They have like they have this giant mech. That can shoot the harmonium bomb from from a railgun, and it's it's stealth. It's like they got the stealth nukes from Metal Gear. They got the. Stealth. It is the Jessica Biel film Stealth. Uh, yeah, I've definitely seen every movie that you ever talk about. <laughs> uh oh, and then Telson walks in and gives one of my favorite lines of the entire book, uh, which is that they have spent days searching train uh manifest train lockers lockers train station lockers right because all they got was the number 
Yeah. And they didn't actually and, consider that it was an address. And Moonlight was like, hey, that might be train lockers. They have those. Moonlight said that? Yeah. But then it turned out to back be an in, address. Yeah, ba- back in chapter 30, which we've talked about multiple times. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's a good callback. That I missed. And that's the end of chapter 33. And that's the end of chapter 33. And I've been here the whole time. That one's good. a free one. So, Tori, I also really enjoyed the uh, Grant O'Brien, um, like, every time he's on, he's great. Uh, right. Uh, but, but the uh, the Bachelor episode. Yes! Oh, my goodness. I loved that. That one was really good. It was and, so like, good. The, the sentimental ones are surprisingly, like, really, really good episodes. Like, the one where uh, they basically gave Jess a wedding. Yes. That one was sweet. So cute. Chapter 34. Chapter 34. Telson says they have two days. They might have an hour tops to do what? Rafo! Did you just Rafo yourself? <laughs> Wax doesn't believe Wayne has learned to be spendthrift. Wayne says he took the money from someone worthless. Oh, buddy. Let's talk to Telson while the ladies go to the caverns. Huh. So, uh, so Telson shows up. Uh, Wax is like, hey, Wayne, come here, speed bubble. And then they have a whole conversation, and Wax is like, uh, all right, we're going to split up. Um, you two go do a thing. Uh, I'm going to talk to Telson (sighs) if I have to. God, I hate this. Uh, and then he does. And that's the chapter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like, how did Wayne get all the money for this Bendeloy? And Mary, she's like, Wayne's been learning to use it sparingly. And Wax is like, did you trade, quote-unquote, for this Bentaloy? No, man. Wayne has been a cop. Of course he's been stealing it from people. Chap- check the <laughs> check the evidence lockers, man. Come on. But, but, but the evidence lockers are empty. They are now. That's the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> what evidence? Exactly. I'm not sure I follow. <laughs> Chapter part two. Chapter part two. Part two. Chapter thirty-five. All of part three. The actually. ultimate. The ultimate chapter. What happened in part three? Uh, this is part three. Why did I, I write part you, two? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe We're gonna start the, back at part two again. You know what? Maybe I wrote it in base three. No, that would be part three. Binary. You wrote it in binary. Chapter thirty-five. No, that would be four. It's in binary. That's what I said. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Chapter 35. It could also be in base negative two. No. Base, oh, it's in base negative Tori, three. Tori, you tried. It's this not happening, but you tried. I would negative. really like to finish this recording before 8 p.m. Uh, mountain time. <laughs> <laughs> central. There, it's central time. <laughs> Chapter 35. Telson is trying to convince Wex to leave Ellendell. But why? What's she planning? Telson is legitimately just playing Act Razor right now. She's playing oh Act gosh. Razor. She's <laughs> yeah, act, she like, is. It's actually Act that Razor. That is what's happening. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what if Autonomy is just getting Telson to do her dirty work? Sister of Theseus. All right. Why did I write that? I, I wrote a page number There's down the here. There's the ship of Theseus. There's the, oh, my gosh. And I just said it. There's the ship of Theseus. All right, so the ship of Theseus is a thought experiment where, you know, if you had a ship and you kept replacing parts on it, like you kept having to do repairs, kept having to replace different pieces of it, 
if you got to a point where every single original piece of the ship had been replaced, do you have a, a new ship, or do you still have the ship of Theseus? Like, in Cosmere terms, would this ship have the same identity as the original ship of Theseus, right? So, yes. in, uh, in, on page 247 of my publication, it says, uh, famili- referring to Telson, familiar, yes, but whatever he had loved was long gone. Ripped out and replaced with expansions of the parts of her he'd always hated. That's not the same thing. Anyway, it made me think of Ship of Theseus, and that was the point. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I will say that in response to your question, I think the Cosmere makes this very easy because everything exists in three realms, physical, cognitive, and spiritual. And while you could replace the physical attributes, it still has the same cognitive entity plus it also has the same spirit web so therefore it's the same but what if you're All moonlight right. i mean shy and you stamp the different pieces of the ship what if the ship going by the first name ship of theseus gets decommissioned no parts are exchanged but it gets recommissioned under a different name ship of theseus too that's an inter- <laughs> the sequel to Ship of Theseus. <laughs> That's an interesting question, Mike, because cognitively you'll think of it differently and it might take on a new identity. So therefore it has a new identity. Plus the connections might be different because it sails to different ports and it's used by a different crew. It might legit become a different ship, even if it has the same physical body. Yeah, that in the original Ship of Theseus problem, it is actually traveling the same route because it's kind of like commemorating the original voyage of Theseus. So so Mike has given us the new ship of Theseus in Cosmere terms and how they would think about in it. In Pog form. Mm. Hey, guess where I learned about ship of Theseus? It was from a crossword puzzle. I was <laughs> going to say, was it from The Simpsons? <laughs> oh, was I, it from I WandaVision? <laughs> no, I actually learned of it originally from um, John Dies at the End, the David Wong book. Hmm. I tried reading that before. It's pretty good. Did you not finish it, Craig? No, I did not. There's, I did like two chapters. It wasn't for me. There's That's an too bad. interesting version of the Ship of Theseus uh, story in one of the Discworld books. I don't remember which one, uh, where a dwarf is talking about my father's axe. You know, what if I replace the handle? Is it still my father's axe? What if I have to replace the axe head? Is it still my father's axe? And Well, it's the, it's the scone of stone. Yes. That they have rebaked multiple times, right. but it's still the scone of stone. You know what? I think that was the fifth elephant, actually. I think it was, yeah. <laughs> fifth elephant. That's the name of the book. <laughs> Who wrote that? It, if that's the correct book, yes. Terry Pratchett. Yes. Terry Pratchett. I was like, that Dave, sounds you like would a love Pratchett. It's, it's funny. Is he the all right? He's the Discworld guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've likened Discworld to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right? Mm-hmm. I I think Discworld succeeds much better than at, at trying the same things that Hitchhiker's Guide attempted. But Sold. Yeah. All right, I'll read Discworld. Yay! If I remember. <laughs> uh, my only caveat here is don't start at the beginning. You can pick up most of the books and they work just fine on their own. His early stuff is a little rough. You should start with Small Gods. Small I think gods. you actually would really like yes. Small Gods. Yeah. Yes, you should start with Small Gods. Oh, he's looking it up right now, y'all. Yep. We've got an Amazon search, which you can watch if you become a patron. All right. Uh, chapter... 
Small chapter one of Small Gods. No. Humorously entertaining. Suddenly thought provoking. Alright, let's let's move on. Alright, um Telson forgot so, that Telson people change over time. Telson forgot that sometimes people change over time. Uh nitpick this line about irresistible urge on page two forty eight. You ever stand up someplace high, Telson said, and feel the irresistible urge to throw yourself off? Alright, so context. Telson and what is kind of criticizing Wax for being a steel pusher, and Wax is like, yeah, I would just jump off. So, like, the really funny thing about this is Telson uses the term irresistible urge to jump off from a high place. Irresistible urge. And yet, Telson claims to have experienced this and resisted it, never having jumped off of a high place. Wax claims to have never experienced it and says that he jumps off of high places all the time. I don't think they know what the word irresistible means. Uh, I, I think they have their, their definitions swapped. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you know people tend to use words to embellish what they mean by saying the word literally for things that aren't literal. <laughs> literally, literally means figuratively. It does Put now. that on and a And I think that's true for irresistible <laughs> urge. Like, that is, uh, what, colloquialism? Is that the, the so, term? So basically, Wax's, Wax's bar to resist urges is very low to jump off of stuff, because he just can. If he wants to, he just will. Uh, where Telson's resistance to jumping off of tall things is actually pretty high, because she hasn't done that, because up until very recently, most of those would have injured her very badly or killed her. Yeah, and she did say that she kind of refuses to get a steel-pushing spike, but I'm pretty sure she has gold mines, so, you know, who cares? We we we've seen Wa- we've seen Wayne shoot gajillions of miles across the landscape and tomato splat on the ground and heal from that. So like, what's this to Telson who is probably compounding gold? Honestly, uh, th- there's another term I learned recently that uh, Super I thought I thought was wrong. I I think Dave already knows this, but the word factoid. That's something the- that sounds good, but isn't necessarily true. Correct. <laughs> I always thought it was a bite-sized fact, and it's like, oh, just a little factoid, like like a little mint, a mint <laughs> of fact. But no, it's something that sounds true that isn't. So it's a factoid of what the word factoid means. Wait, <laughs> how meta? I tried uh, to explain anyway. to my mom. I tried to explain to my mom last night what the word meta meant, and I just couldn't come up with a good example. Anyway. That's a good example of of, of uh, what is meant by the term. One of the two, uh, one of the two meanings of meta. Sometimes meta means is describing something that is it about itself, and sometimes the word meta just means at like a higher level. Like meta gaming or metaphysics is like a higher level of gaming or higher level of physics. It isn't. Well, I guess meta gaming no, is also gaming about uh, gaming. It. Meta means outside of, and so the reason we call that topic metaphysics is because in the old libraries they were next to the physics. I'm not it making outside that outside of the, the physics. physics. Yeah, it, it was the next <laughs> shelf from means, the physics. I thought meta meant above. Interesting. I'm not like too good on Latin. Haven't done quite enough crossword puzzles yet. I'm still getting through French, uh, but. <laughs> But Latin's Latin's coming along. Anyway, so Telson um, wants new I'm ambitions. Just, I'm I'm nitpicking this. You know, maybe Craig's right. Maybe it's just figurative. But like, come on, guys, mean what you say. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I 
<laughs> metaphysics. Sorry. I'm not, all right. Let's not let's not do the whole. So Telson wants new ambitions. Yeah, um, Telson wants new ambitions, but that's an entirely different chart, isn't it? That's the one, like that's the one that died on Threnody, right? Ambition. Correct. Okay. Telson's just like. I want all these new ambitions. I'm like, sorry, sister, that shard's dead. You're working no. with autonomy. Uh, Whimsy is a different shard, though. She does actually mention Whimsy by name, which I'm kind of thinking maybe that's later in Secret Project number seven. I don't know. Boring. I'm going to find something to shoot. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think Wax and Vasher would not get along. <laughs> Vasher would start explaining things, and Wax would just be like, duh. Hi. Wax would become the Wayne of that duo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take it home, Craig. I didn't read this. Take it <laughs> home, Mike. I'm too busy uh, reading so, Secret Project Pi. Uh, the gist of this chapter is that Wax gets Telson monologuing while he has an internal monologue of his own of... God, there, a lot of stuff is said, so little of it matters in this chapter. Telson just goes on and on and on. Wax is like, oh, she hasn't changed, but I have. Yay, internal revelation. I don't care. Um, the other thing is, he gets tired of listening Tel- to her Telson and just doesn't jumps realize, off a roof. Telson doesn't realize that Wax changed. That's another important bit. Yes. Um, but also, at one point, Wax just realizes, you know what? I would rather fling myself off of a <laughs> building. Maybe I don't have any steel in me this time. Oh, well, <laughs> roll those dice. I'd rather fling myself <laughs> off a building than listen to one more word from her. I mean, uh, the gist is that she's trying to stall for time and keep him from thwarting her plans. At least that's Wax's read on it. So he's like, I'm not going to let her stall for time. I'm going to leave while her back is turned and just let her keep talking to herself. But, but literally, um, he gets her monologuing from The Incredibles. <laughs> Yet another movie that apparently Dave hasn't seen. Dave, it's really good. <laughs> it is really good. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, he's like, he has his own internal mon. It's double monologues, and it's, Brandon, you're better than this, That's bud. called Come a on. dialogue. <laughs> no. No, man, they're each having their own separate, unrelated <laughs> Mono conversations means one, with themselves. Mono means die means two. Come on, Mike. Yeah, so no, if this you're both is two monologues, monologues, then it counts as a dialogue. <laughs> What's an aside of an aside? That's just like a straight on. It's like when you're talking to your friend and you're just nodding and waiting for them to stop talking so you can talk next. It's like that. But instead of nodding, you're also thinking about it. So like if two characters... So so an aside is a form of breaking the fourth wall. If two characters are... You know what? Forget it. Eighth wall. That's the punchline. It's not even worth waiting for. Now, if you're both breaking the fourth wall, then you break it faster? A fourth wall break inside a fourth wall break is a sixteenth wall that's established in Deadpool. Mm. Huh. Yet another movie that Dave hasn't seen. Dave- I remember Tori's good thing in one of my early episodes. I actually remember I had to record that episode from the parking lot of where I work because I had to go into a shift. Right after that recording, and she said, "Holy shoot balls" or something like that. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and that was one of the edits that Mike actually made. Um. All right, I think we're, I think we're hey, done. Hey, let's with talk chapters, about Dave. Let's talk about episode two fifty. Let's talk about episode two fifty, guys. Oh, what's wait. happening in episode two fifty? I have arranged a very special surprise guest. It's a surprise. We're not going to say who it is. 
Uh, I'm thinking, it, yeah. If you're in our Discord server, you'd know who it is. Yeah, if you're in our Discord, you've you've maybe you didn't notice it, but we did actually mention things. And if you're not there. in our Discord, then like that episode is going to be out before you can do anything about it anyway. I mean, maybe I don't know. It'll have been recorded. Uh, it won't be out. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, we're also going to very massively break format. We're going to do a game show style. <laughs> uh, specifically, um, actually, we're doing things in a style reminiscent of um, actually. Also from Dropout, I've been here the whole time. Yeah, got, got another one, zing. Um, but yeah, we are we are each of us separately writing uh, various statements about either the podcast itself. Which is kind of meta, eh? Eh? Brought it back around. Yeah. Uh, and also uh, the Cosmere, up to the point where Dave is. So we're not including anything about the Lost Metal or White Sand or oh, any of the secret projects. Nuts. What about the Lost Metal chapters one through thirty-five? You guys were all uh, going to figure out the White Sands ones I had written up. Too complicated. Um, and then I'll explain this again next week before we get started, but. Uh, we are also, to give our guest a, a better time, uh, our guest will get the chance to uh, attempt corrections first as, as a bit of a handicap, because, or as a bit of a handicap, because I don't think our guest has actually kept up with the Cosmere reading. <laughs> so this will be fun. Anything you guys want to add? It's going to be fun. Oh, and we're all going to take turns hosting and reading statements uh, to give everybody else a chance to earn some points. <laughs> I hope I'm not stuck driving during the episode. I hope so, too. I, I am um, looking yeah, forward to it. That's 250. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, we will need to adjust the episode chapters post to reflect this so that in two months when I try to put this episode or when I try to put later episodes out, I don't get confused on the episode numbering and do stuff wrong. Because <laughs> I definitely think that's a thing that future Mike is going to run into. <sighs> Come on, Future Mike, get your game together. You can't trust Future Mike with anything. We've all learned this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think that's the episode. Yeah, guys. that's the episode. All right. Good night, Internet. Unless, Dave, do you have spoiler <laughs> stuff for us? Yeah, I actually <laughs> read uh, Tress McNeil and the uh, Yuka Maguka. No. Yumi Maguka. Tress um, and the Yumi. <laughs> Maybe you want to talk about the Chip and Dale movie. Tress McNeil was in it. Uh, they had weird mouse fly babies. I don't know how I feel about it. Tress Yumi Frugal Wizard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Good night, Good night Internet. Internet. Bye. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening.